Welcome to City Talk, a podcast from City View Church in Northern Virginia. We are a church family that God is building to make disciples of Jesus Christ in the heart of Loudoun County and all around the world. Well, 2023 is in the rearview now, and we hope you had a wonderful Christmas. It's worth taking some time to reflect on the year just passed. What were some of the highs and lows? What are you thankful for? How have you grown as a Christian? Did you overcome any bad habits? Did you establish any good habits? How did you see God work in your life? What can you learn from your choices and experiences of 2023? This Sunday, we had an open mic time of sharing. And Pastor Mark also told us the story of Robert Robinson, who penned the classic hymn, Come Thou Fount, with that peculiar line, Here I raise my Ebenezer. Amen. Please be seated. Don't get too comfortable, though, because uh, I want to have you involved in all that's going on. That is one of my favorite hymns. I think it's a great classic of the faith. But it's got that line in it which kind of makes people scratch your heads. It's like, here I raise my Ebenezer. What's all that about? You know, because in church world, we can say certain words, we can sing certain things, and we're not quite sure what they mean, but we think everyone assumes we know what they mean, and we think, well, everyone else knows what they mean, so I'll just kind of roll with it. So what is the story behind Here I Raise My Ebenezer? We're going to do a little bit of time travel today. We're going to go, first of all, back to the 1700s. And I want to tell you about a kid named Robert Robinson. Robert Robinson was a troublemaker by every account. He had a rough childhood. His father died when he was probably around 10, 12 years old, and he just kept getting in more and more trouble. And his mother didn't know what to do, so she sent him off to London for an apprenticeship. But that didn't make Robert any better of a kid. He kept getting in more trouble and more trouble. And in just a couple of years, though, he had the kind of personality that attracted people to him, so he became the leader of a street gang in London. And that kind of multiplied the trouble he could cause. Well, one day, they got wind that there was going to be a revival service. And a preacher named George Whitfield, who was the Billy Graham of the 1700s, George Whitfield was going to be there, and he was going to preach. So Robert got a group of his buddies, and they were going to cause trouble there. They were going to heckle the preacher. But there was something about that message that just grabbed a hold of Robert. He wanted to cause trouble that day, but he really couldn't. But he still was mad at God and bitter at the way things had gone for him in life to that point. So he went back home, and he caused a little bit of trouble, but he still couldn't shake what he had heard. And he wrestled with God. He said it was like a three-year wrestling match, but three years after hearing this preacher, he bowed to Jesus Christ and called on him to be a savior. Robert Robinson was transformed like that. Shortly after his salvation, he was still only like 20 years old at this time, they made him a preacher. And so he went out kind of as a church planter um, in, in, in the greater London area to plant churches. And on the third anniversary of his conversion, he wrote this song. He wrote this song, and it's really his story. And when he says, here, my Ebene- here I raise my Ebenezer, 
he's going back even further. So we'll kind of go back in the time machine. So we've now gone back to the 1700s because it was in 1758 that he wrote this hymn. And we're now going to go back about 2,700 more years to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7. This is where Robert Robinson got the idea from. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Let me set the scene for you. The book of Samuel kind of continues along the theme of Judges. Uh, Israel, it's a series of cycles. Israel uh, is doing great with the Lord, and then they kind of take everything for granted. They nosedive spiritually. The other idols look pretty attractive to them. They start worshiping the wrong idols. God judges them. They get in a heap of trouble, and then they finally go, this is miserable. God, we want to turn back to you. Judges is a series of cycles. Samuel is really the last of the judges. Well, Israel right now is getting squashed by a people called the Philistines. And they are making life miserable for the Israelites. They were brutal. And so Israel said, this is no way to live. We want to get back on track with the one true God. And in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 7, there's this exchange where Samuel in verse 3 says to the people, if you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, Get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth. That was one of the main gods of the day. Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey him alone. Obey him alone. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites got rid of their images of Baal and Ashtoreth and worshipped only God. Then Samuel, in a sense, says to them, I want you guys to show me that this is for real. So Samuel called all the people of Israel together, and they all assembled on, uh, at Mizpah, and Samuel said, I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered, and in a great ceremony, drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed they had sinned against the Lord. So God's people say, we have wandered from you, and now, Lord, we want to get back on track. They repented, because not only did they say, we want to get back on track, but they got rid of the idols that were causing them to, to go astray and to get in even worse shape spiritually. But the Philistines weren't stupid. They were the military geniuses of the day. And so they probably sent some recon scouts out, and they ran back to the leaders and saying, hey, look, the Israelites are all in one place. This is going to be like shooting fish in a barrel. Let's go. And so they got their army, and they gathered, and they went after the people of Israel and said, we'll slaughter them all. But listen to what happens. Verse 10, just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day, and the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The Israelites went from being nobodies in the area. They were a, essentially a captive nation. They had their military capacity really kind of taken away from them. The Philistines were the, the superpower of the day. But it says that God thundered. I can't imagine what that would have been like. The Philistines go in there thinking, this is going to be an easy win. And instead, they got trounced by God and his people. 
And can you imagine what it would have been like to have been an Israelite in that day? To say, man, we saw what happened when we tried to figure life out on our own, when we tried to go after the gods of the people all around us. But now we get back on track and we see how God works. And Samuel did this in verse 12. Samuel took a large stone and he placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshana. He essentially made a monument. And he called it Ebenezer. Now Ebenezer means stone of help. And he said this, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. And I think this is really significant, not just for the people of the time, but also for us. You see, we need regular reminders that God is at work around us. I find that my default mode is when things aren't going as planned, when I can't figure out life, when things happen that I go that are beyond my control, it's like, what is going on here? And then you can get so consumed with what's not going right or what's not going the way you want it to go that you forget all that God has done. You see, God knows that we human beings are naturally forgetful. And we need regular reminders of his goodness and his faithfulness. So today, I'd like for us as a church family to raise our Ebenezer. I'd like for you to raise your Ebenezer. And here's the thing. You don't need just one Ebenezer. I mean, you want to have a whole series of them. So along your life, you've got mile markers that you can look back and you say, you know, I can't figure out what is going on right now, but I do know that back then when I couldn't figure out what was going on, God came through. And when we see that God came through back then, that gives us confidence going forward. God doesn't want us to live in the past and live in nostalgia, but he does want us to remember the great things that he has done. You know, throughout Scripture, there are all kinds of Ebenezer's. Because God wants us to remember what he's done. But the trouble is, too often, we remember the things that we shouldn't. Our mistakes, our sins, all the bad things that have happened. And instead, God wants us to remember what he has done. So when we look to the past, we don't dwell on our mistakes, our stupidity, our sins, but we dwell on the fact that God delivered us. And if God delivered me back then, he's more than able to do it right now. And not only is he able to do it right now, he's able to do it further down the road as well. We can trust God for everything. When Samuel put up Ebenezer, I think there was more to it than just that one battle, which in and of itself was awesome. But he was calling the people to look back and remember all that God had done. It's like, guys, it wasn't that long ago that God led us out of Egypt. It wasn't that long ago when he parted the Red Sea. It wasn't that long ago when he led us into the Promised Land. We need to remember what God has done. There are other examples in the Bible. 
In Joshua chapter 4, when the Israelites go across the Jordan River, there's this kind of quirky command given to Joshua. He said, hey, uh, I want you to give the leader of each tribe a stone, and they're going to have to carry that stone across the river. And when they get to the right side of the river, put the stone in a pile with the other stones. And the reason for that is so when your children go, what's that pile of rocks there for? You can say, that's when God took us across the river. Psalm 102 to 107 are stories of what God has done. I'd encourage you to go back and read through them. They're stories of what God has done where He has shown up and delivered His people when it looked like there wasn't much hope for them. Psalm 107 ends like this. Let whoever is wise pay attention to these things and consider the Lord's acts of faithful love. 1 Corinthians 10 says, all these things happen to us as an example. So we need to look back and see where God delivers. And we need to focus on how great He is because our natural default mode is to look at our troubles And the problem is, when we look at our troubles or when we gaze on things that aren't right, our focus gets all out of kilter. As I've said before, it's been said that we spend too much time gazing at our problems and just glancing at God. Whereas if instead we were to gaze at our God and just be filled with how fantastic and how great and how powerful He is and be overwhelmed with the fact, this is amazing that God loves me. When that grips your heart, when that grips your mind, then that puts your problems in perspective. But if your focus is on what's not going your way or on all the problems, you lose sight of how great God is. And so practical worship is having Ebenezer's in your life that you can look at and say, man, I don't understand how I'm going to make it through this. But God has never let me down. He has always showed up and I can count on him. In the uh, email I sent out, the Friday email, I asked you guys to just reflect back on this last year. I think it's important as God's people that we stop and pause and think about all that he's done. Northern Virginia feels like more than any other place on the planet, it's all about Uh, rush, 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 franticness, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. And you can get caught up in that. And when you get caught up in that, and you don't stop and look back, you miss out. And your problems grow. And your perspective of God shrinks. He will never shrink. But you're going to have a diminished view of Him. So as you look back on 2023, what were some of the highs and lows? What were some things you say, man, this was tough. What are some other things that you go, this was awesome. Lord, bring on more of this. How have you grown as a Christian? As you look back, it's December 31st today. How much further are you along than you were December 31st of 2022? Has God helped you overcome some bad habits? Has He helped you to build some good habits? What choice did you 
did you make this year that you can learn from? And what are you thankful for? You know, I find that thankfulness is an antidote to complaining and dissension. Because when you're thankful for what you do have, you're not focused on what you don't have or what you think you ought to have, but you can appreciate what you do have. When you're thankful for what you have, you're not going to be one who grumbles and complains and, and causes problems. So cultivating a spirit of thankfulness is huge. Uh, you know, this year, and I want to hear from you all in a minute, so I'm giving you a chance to, uh, to think. Uh, I was reflecting on some things I am thankful for. Uh, back in 1992, which was a long time ago, I was in seminary. One of my professors encouraged us to take an index card and in it to write down your big prayer request for life. And he said, put it in a safe place and pull it out throughout the year. And that's one of the things I've done right in life. And I look back at this list, and I see God has blessed me way more than I deserve. Uh, he's given me the greatest wife I could ever imagine. I've got fantastic children I'm, I'm thankful for. And these were things which weren't on the horizon for me way back then. Uh, God has led my life in all sorts of ways. I shared some of the story when talked about waiting on the Lord, about uh, finishing seminary, having no idea what to do. All my friends doing great stuff for the Lord. And I actually went back to the same engineering firm in the same office that I had left. And the guy that I would given my office plant to gave it back to me when he went down to start our Richmond office. So um, God leads in ways that don't always make sense. Um, this last Christmas, we got together as an extended family, and um, I was really thankful for uh, the parents and grandparents that God has put in my life. Um, my grandfather, just one of my heroes, uh, came down with a stroke in his mid-80s. I remember as a teenager loving to talk to Grandpa. Then the stroke came, Never had a conversation with him again. But one thing I do remember is uh, we would walk to their church when we visited, and uh, I hadn't had a coherent conversation with my grandfather now for over a year, and we stood up to sing the song, and I heard him singing like it's just old times. The words came back to him because what's on his mind just didn't go away. My father uh, just turned 90, and um, he's had dementia really this last year, and I've just been shocked at how fast it's happened. I haven't had a conversation with my dad in, for about a year, and there are days that he recognizes me when I visit. There are other days that he didn't recognize me. I never know what to expect. But um, this Christmas, and when someone has dementia, it's not only do they seem to lose the ability to think, but it's like the filter goes away, and they say some of the, the craziest things. And I just remember my dad looking at our extended clan there, and he just, and my dad's an introvert, and he just said, oh, I'm so glad you all are here, and I'm going to get you all muddled up, but I'm glad you're here. And I thought, I just want to be like that. 
And then we, we sat around to do the presence, and Dad just started treating it like it was a prayer meeting and just assigning different people, okay, you pray for this, you pray for that. We're like, we're here for the presence. And um, so I'm profoundly thankful for these men who have modeled for me what it means to really have Christ be Lord of your heart um, and to guide you along the way. So those are some of the things. I've got a few more, but you guys hear um, more of me than you, you want to throughout the year. I would love to hear from some of you. So here's the way we're going to work it. Uh, Kevin's got the mic, and you have an option. You have to speak through the mic. We need to all hear you, okay? This is, this is not about you. It's about you giving praise to God, and we want to celebrate with you. So we would love to hear some of the things that you have seen God do, some of the things that you're thankful for, some of the lessons you've learned this year, and maybe some things that you're saying, you know, I purpose to do this going forward. So let's hear from you. Kevin's got the mic. You can either stay where you are or you can come up here. But you've got to use the mic. So let's hear from you. And I'd be thrilled if we were here all day. But I know you guys want to eat lunch, so we'll have some time. Let's hear from you. <laughs> 